Dennis, last week you started to talk about a group of herbs that you introduced into the practice into practice in Western herbalism, and you spoke about Vitex agnus castus. And today your plan is to talk about <laughs> other members of the same group. That, that was my that was my intention, um, um, Jane. But prior to going into that topic, I want to take up again some fascinating information on these things known as bioflavonoids. And at the risk of uh, being boring or repetitive, this is fascinating stuff that we've just got to touch on before we go to look at those herbs. Rodney's just rung in to talk about shingles, but he seems to have gone. So we'll come back to his topic later, Dennis. Yes, yes, um, yes. But you do want to talk about another group of herbs. We do. Um, last week we touched on the European herb Vitex agnus castus, and looked at the way in which, largely as a result of my research and teaching, I introduced that herb into Australia, into the practice of Western herbalism many, many years ago, to the extent that Vitex agnus castus now is one of the most important remedies used by professionals, uh, medical herbalists and naturopaths to address a whole spectrum of female reproductive disorders. Uh, And this week, if we get time, we're going to look at two of the other herbs that I had a lot to do in bringing into the practice of Western herbalism in this country, particularly the uh, Ayurvedic remedy known as Shadavari. Um, Asparagus race Mosa is its botanical name, but it's known in, uh, in Ayurvedic medicine as Shadavari, and I hope to be able to touch on that. And then if we have time, uh, look at a, a fascinating remedy, which uh, I believe at this stage I'd be the only uh, practitioner using it in this country, and that is the well-known uh, Indonesian herb known as Java kidney tea. But before we go that uh, way, Jane, there's some exciting information that I mentioned to you in the lobby before the program pertaining to bioflavonoids. And I know that some listeners are going to say, here we go again on bioflavonoids. This is Dennis's uh, hobby horse. Well, look, it might be a hobby horse, but bioflavonoids are proving themselves to be so important in our diet and in the practice of natural medicine, that the more we know about them, the better. And this week, fascinating case, a lady who's been using bioflavonoids, particularly a product called Flavor Blend, for poor peripheral circulation, uh, developing lymphedema, and very, very severe varicose veins, has been on the uh, bioflavonoids because she and her husband uh, wanted to go over, uh, over to Perth. And whenever she flies, uh, she experiences what many people with poor peripheral circulation experience, and that is a lot of swelling of the legs, which can be quite nasty. As a result of taking the flavour blend, she went to Perth with such a brilliant result that her nephew, who suffers what I suspect is Raynaud's, very, very severe cold extremities, even in in, in summertime, his extremities are terribly cold. He was so impressed with his aunt's use of this uh, bioflavonoid that he started taking it. And according to my dear patient, by the time they left Perth, and that was in about a, a, a month's time, having been on this, the improvement in that man's circulatory experience was so profound that he has stocked up on so much bioflavonoid that he probably won't need any for the rest of his life. What am I saying? I'm saying everything that we have said on this program about the importance of bioflavonoids in promoting improved peripheral circulation 
is true and is being validated time in and time out. But also, and I'll finish on this note about bioflavonoids, I hope um, listeners who have circulatory problems, varicose veins, lymphedema, etc., will take on board what I've said. But interestingly, uh, this week, uh, clearing out some of my uh, books from my voluminous library that's back on the central coast in the family home, I stumbled across a book that I purchased years ago, written by a medical practitioner, Dr. Adrian Berman. She's an MD, and she wrote a book entitled Alternative Medicine, What Works? And I hadn't read the book for some time, and I started reading it even while I was in our home on the central coast. Couldn't put it down, so I decided to retrieve it and put it in, <laughs> in my library in the, uh, on the, uh, in the Hunter Valley. The interesting thing in that book, she talks about the importance of bioflavonoids, particularly as a preventative device from coronary artery disease and heart disease generally. And at a time when our media now is telling us that still in this country, heart disease is our leading killer, it's important to note what this good doctor has said in defence of bioflavonoids. And I'll read it quickly because I know our time goes too quickly on this program. But she said, One study of the diets of men over 65 found that the higher the intake of flavonoids, the lower the mortality from coronary heart disease. She goes on to say, uh, in 805 men over 65, monitored from 1985 to 1990, the more flavonoids consumed, the fewer the number of heart attacks. And what she goes on to, to do is develop the, the, the proof there that where bioflavonoids are represented in the diet, it has a significant potentially prophylactic effect against the development of this wretched coronary artery disease and heart disease generally. Now, bioflavonoids occur in very many foods, but what I say to people is this. These things are so important now. Take them in a concentrated form with some vitamin C and see it as a daily supplement to stay on to get the benefits, not only circulatory, but perhaps also prophylactically against heart disease. Plenty to talk about today, Dennis, but David has rung in from Hinton and you've got a question about supplements, David. Yes, I would actually. Um, I've been taking quite an interest in, in the program, of course, mm. but a constant referral to uh, turmeric yes. and derivatives of turmeric. Yes. I would like to begin the journey by choosing the right thing, but more or to have that supplement or take a supplement daily involving turmeric, yeah. but also bioflavonoids, listening to you just yes. speak then, I yes. think, wow, that's me too. Yeah. And well, I just well, want well, my well, day to start that way. Well, I'm glad you picked up on that, David, because I could talk all day and all night about bioflavonoids, <laughs> and I run the risk of being boring and repetitive, uh, but they are such an important supplement uh, mm-hmm. that despite the fact that bioflavonoids occur in foods and things like that, um, a concentrated daily intake of them. Say, yeah. and there are many products, Flavor Blend is one of them, that uh, can be taken on a daily basis to give you a good slug of what I yes. consider to be, uh, from my own experience and from the literature, to be one of the most important supplements that we can use prophylactically against yep. uh, peripheral vascular disease and indeed perhaps against even cardiovascular disease. So, 
uh, my recommendation would be that you seek out a good blend of bioflavonoids. Yeah. One is called Flavor Blend. Uh, and usually you find that with a flavonoidal supplement, it is uh, accompanied by brobilin, an enzyme, which gives yep. a, a better uptake of the bioflavonoid. And usually you will find also uh, some vitamin C. So yep. um, if, if you were to ring my rooms, we could easily uh, give you an indication of what products contain that. Um, yes, I can do that. Yes. If you contact the switchboard, they can give you my number, and that goes for any listener. We can give you information about the things we're talking about. Now, as far as getting on to curcumin, yep. I, I do believe curcumin is beneficial. And again, um, this is based not only on my research, my lecturing, and the prescribing of products, but from my recent, almost addictive taking of it, because <laughs> as, as a result of my own uh, experience with what's called a bulging disc, and the associated pain that goes with it, I have yep. found I have found my daily uh, necessary taking of a curcumin preparation has significantly contributed to the reduction of the excru excruciating pain that was wow. initially characteristic of that. Now again, again, let me emphasise, curcumin is the active principle or the major active principle found in the herb turmeric. Yep. Now, I just want to elaborate on this a little bit. If you are wanting to use turmeric as a, as a food substance, as part of your diet, that is great because in a lot of literature, particularly the, uh, the text that I've mentioned over the years on this program entitled Foods That Fight Cancer by two Canadian PhDs, Gingras and Bellevue, in that book they talk about the daily ingestion of, say, five grams or a teaspoonful of turmeric powder accompanied by a small amount of black pepper as being a useful supplement, a useful food intake to get the benefits of turmeric uh, systemically, particularly with reference to its affinity for the large bowel and its seemingly uh, prophylactic effect on development of large bowel disease. So uh, people that have no particular uh, reason for using a concentrated product of turmeric such as curcumin uh, should, in my opinion, take on board the information that the daily use of turmeric appended necessarily by the synergist black pepper is a useful supplement that works against some of the sinister pathologies that the two Canadians talk about. But ah, if you are experiencing an inflammatory condition uh, such, I, such as what I've been experiencing and you are in pain, and it, it may be associated with an arthritis or it may be associated with symptoms of, of, of disc disease, then, in my opinion, you should look for the curcumin, which is the isolate or the active principle from turmeric, which is converted or made into a definite uh, tablet or capsule form and usually appended by appropriate synergists that improve the uptake of it. So I guess I'm saying... If you have a medical condition where there's mild inflammatory activity, go for something like curcumin in one of the modern forms, tablet or capsule. But if you're just wanting to get the benefit of turmeric in the diet, working against perhaps some of the diseases uh, that we experience, use perhaps turmeric in its simple powdered form, purchasable from the supermarket, health food store, a teaspoonful, say with some black pepper to improve its uptake. Does that answer your question, David? 
<laughs> okay, I think that sounds as though it might be okay. Four nine two one six two one six for your calls for dinner, Stuart. Today, Steve has rung in from Barnsley, and it's all to do with feeling the cold now as you get a little bit older, Steve. Um, that's your question. Yes. Oh, hello, Steve. <clears throat> Good day, mate. Yes, now, yep, go on. I've I've had this discussion with you before in the fact that I'm a 53 model and (laughs) I'm only a young fella. Absolutely. (laughs) Only a baby. You're only a baby. (laughs) (laughs) What was interesting in what you were saying about the bioflavonoids for extremities, things like that, um, I was just wondering, uh, my hands are cold. Um in this cold weather. Yes. Um, and I, being a tradesman, I use my hands. Of course. Um, but also, just my body, like, I just feel cold. Okay. A couple of things you can do here. I've spoken about this topic before, but with reference to bioflavonoids, before I came away uh, from up the valley this morning to do the program, I went to my library and pulled out my um, edition of the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, and looked up uh, the herb buckwheat. Now, buckwheat is is a, is a is a herb, and it has leaves and a stem which contain very, very, very high levels of a bioflavonoid called rutin. R U T I N. Now, rutin is extracted from that particular herb and converted into a more convenient form. But if you want a simple taking of a bioflavonoid that has peripheral benefits against cold and things like that, even using uh, buckwheat tea, which is available from the supermarket, is a good start, although I believe that the bioflavonoidal preparation that incorporates root of the isolate is perhaps a better way of it. And reading the pharmacopoeia as I came away this morning, I was impressed with the fact that rutin, originally located in buckwheat, isolated today to, in a supplement form, is specifically called up, wait for it, for frostbite and chillblains. Now there it is in the pharmacopoeia, the authoritative document for modern herbal medicine, the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, stipulates that rutin the bioflavonoid, initially extracted from buckwheat leaf, is specific for frostbite and chillblains. So as a preparation uh, that's related to your problem, cold extremities and a a problem that would be relative to many dear folk, particularly elderly folk who suffer badly in cold weather from uh, chillblains, these preparations, particularly bioflavonoids and particularly the one called rutin, which is in in nearly all blends of bioflavonoids. I mentioned one blend, flavor blend. It has a blend which incorporates that. In my opinion, you and other sufferers out there, particularly at this time of the year, who experience cold hands and feet, the, ba- the discussion we've had today, particularly on bioflavonoids, uh, referred to by the medical practitioner who wrote the text, Alternative Medicine, What Works, and taken up in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, stipulate that this substance has credibility, and in my opinion, it should be part of your daily regime. But the final thing is, don't overlook the simple benefit of taking ordinary capsicum in capsule form. It's a warming herb. It's a circulatory benefit. We've talked about it before. It creates warmth in the extremities. 
and when taken with the bioflavonoids that we've been talking about, as far as I'm concerned, that's about the best that you're going to get in natural medicine. Robert rang in from Valentine, 49216216, and statins is, are on your mind. What is your question, Robert? The, um, the risk-benefits of taking statins for cholesterol. Oh, hello, Robert. Um, look, I, I have an opinion on, on statins that might not be shared by everyone. I, I, I'm fairly reserved about um, um, these preparations. Um, I believe that wherever there's a cholesterol elevation for which statins are frequently prescribed, in my opinion, it's wise to discuss initially with your practitioner other options before you go down the statin pathway. And in my opinion, it's an opinion, and I can be probably criticised for expressing it, in my opinion, statins are too frequently prescribed for what I would call moderately elevated levels of cholesterol, when in fact, in my opinion, other techniques should be used before reverting to the use of a statin. Now that's an opinion. It's no criticism of our good medical practitioners. It's just my opinion, they can be overused and uh, other things should be given a chance of getting uh, elevated cholesterol at a moderately elevated level down to normal. Having said that, Having said that, there is no doubt, no doubt at all, that statins are important agents in the practice of medicine, and particularly where patients have had or have very, very high levels of, of cholesterol, maybe even uh, familial levels of elevated cholesterol, these things uh, would seemingly be necessary in order to bring that level down to a safe perspective, lessening the possibility of a catastrophic cardiovascular incident. So they are important agents, particularly where cholesterol is abnormally elevated and where diet and where lifestyle modification and where using natural medicine pro approaches aren't sufficient to bring it down to an acceptable level. The other thing about statins, of course, is that they are used as part and parcel of treatment today uh, for people that have had a cardiovascular incident, maybe a heart attack. Uh, also, there may have been some vascular work done, stents or other things done, where it is mandatory for the practitioner to make sure that the cholesterol level is as minimal as necessary in order to stop any further deposition of plaque on the repair sites. So, going around the bush, so to speak, it would be foolish to say that there is no place for statins they are a significant medication to treat, in my opinion, particular levels of cardiovascular distress. But I come back to the point that there are other ways, in my opinion, which should be used prior to reverting to statins, and those ways should be based lifestyle modification, even moving in the direction of the Mediterranean diet can have a significant impact using things uh, that we've spoken about on the program before, phytosterols, which lessen the uptake of cholesterol from the gut. Uh, the high-fibre diet, particularly things like psyllium, are ways also of helping bring cholesterol down. Statins do have side effects in some cases, and they're usually associated with uh, painful leg conditions and even the development of perhaps a myopathy 
that is a failing of the, of, of the musculature, particularly in the legs. And that can be readily uh, picked up and the doctor can adjust uh, treatment to move in the direction of another drug, which is sometimes used in place of a statin, and that is a drug called Ezetrol. Um, so there are side effects, and my reading on statins indicate that, uh, that these side effects are not always that well known. And one thing that's emerging now, particularly from some of the American literature, is that some of the side effects may reflect itself in cognitive activity. Memory problems may be seen as an emerging downside to statin. Discuss those with your GP. He's well qualified to be able to take on board your concern and to work out the right dose of statin if you need it or an alternative. That answer your question. What do you, um, what do you define as high and dangerous levels of cholesterol? I would think that would be something that would vary from patient to patient. Okay. okay. Thank you for your call, Robert. It looks as though you've got, got some discussions to do with your GP. Alison rang in from Maryland on 49216216. And Alison, your question is about peripheral neuropathy. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. My husband suffers from it yes. in his feet. And yes. he's been seen neurologist and had all the tests yes. done and... Yes tried a good a few different medications yes. and they nothing has helped at all yes. and what was the tablet you were talking about before the uh i forget oh, what you're you... ta- we were talking previously about bioflavonoids That's, yeah uh, would they help peripheral neuropathy is uh, is a neurological condition it has uh, it's not related to uh, to circulatory problems it's a neurological problem and it frequently is seen in in patients that have diabetes although it it can develop outside of that. So bioflavonoids would have little impact, in my opinion, on on peripheral neuropathy. I'm not aware, I'm not aware, but there there could be something out there, I'm not aware of there being anything in our system of medicine that has a credible reputation uh, when taken as oral medication to reduce the symptoms of peripheral neuropathy. But let me just say, there is a topical approach that might help your husband. Now, when we talk about a topical approach, we're talking about using something that's massaged in or put on as a lotion or applied as an ointment. Now, you usually find that preparations that, uh, for instance, based on capsicum, concentrated preparations of capsicum, where the active principle known as an oleo resin has been extracted and converted into a lotion or ointment cream, what that does is is progressively lessen neuropathic pain. Now, th- this this would be well explained to you by your pharmacist. For instance, there's a preparation called Zostrix from your pharmacy. Now, that is based on exactly what I'm talking about, and it is particularly used for subduing some of the uh, neuropathic pain associated with shingles, the after effect of shingles, uh, and it, it does help. So what I would be saying to your husband, look, if you want some relief... Go to your pharmacy, discuss with uh, the pharmacist getting hold of that product. You'll have to use it for about four to five days before you're likely to experience any indication of benefit. It's not something that's going to cure it. If a benefit starts to assert itself, that must be maintained by the regular usage, perhaps in diminished levels, of the topical application. So a a topical application based on the oleoresin of capsicum is well documented as being perhaps a useful device 
to subdue some of the pain. Yeah, I used that yeah, stiff, sore and sorry, and sorry yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of gives very a, a small amount of okay. relief. Well, what, what I would say there is this. The difference is this. Um, uh, you may need a preparation that is, yeah. is more exclusively based on the yeah. oleoresin of capsicum and has a higher level of the oleoresin in it. And that's why I'm suggesting a yarn with your pharmacist about the well-known preparation called Zostrix. And I think there's one called Zostrix HP, which is the high-potency one. That might yeah. be the way to go for you, Alison. Okay, thanks for your help. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Alison. Your question, of course, we've still got Rodney's question on shingles, which we might talk about uh, in just a moment. But we're going to slip into the uh, events calendar to anewrfm.com. Now, the men's shed, you often think, Dennis, of... um, of people making things yeah. and using tools and mm. along with all the other yes, benefits of, of men's sheds. Well, what about singing? Well, why not? Why not? Why not? Well, the men's what shed a great promotes. idea. Give away the hammer banging and go for singing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or sing along maybe, a bit of percussion from the hammer. By, by the way, Jane, I must say I'm a great supporter of men's shed. We, we have a, a wonderful men's shed up in Cessnock run by a great guy, and I frequently drive past out there and have a look at it. Amazing work they do. So any any mention of Medshed sends a tingle up my spine because they're so important in our society today. Rodney rang in earlier about, um, about shingles. Mm. Now, if you've got shingles on your feet... Mm. That'd be pretty. It would be pretty. Uh, it would be very um, inhibiting, to inhibiting, say the least. Inhibiting, and he'd be really pleased to know how to get rid of them. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just say that shingles is the is the common term used to describe uh, herpes zoster. So it's actually a viral condition, and um, uh, unlike herpes simplex, which is which is the cold sore, uh, herpes zoster uh, comes up and manifests itself certainly initially in a blistery form, but then once the blisters go, it can linger on in, with neurological symptoms, which what is called post-herpatic neuralgia. Now, the thing about um, the herpes zoster, the shingles experience, is that people that develop uh, blistery type of lesions um, that they're not sure about should immediately present to their GP because there is a, an antiviral treatment that can be made available by a good GPs which can uh, abort the, the serious onset of this virus and limit the level of symptomatology. So let me just say this. I've seen too many patients in my practice of complementary medicine present uh, with active herpes lesions, herpes zoster that is, who should have, who should have gone to their GP to get the appropriate uh, medical treatment to lessen the development of the blister and the symptoms. So I say to listeners, if you have unusual um, lesions, regardless of where they occur, and you suspect that they might be shingles, don't fiddle around. Go to your GP and get the appropriate treatment. Once it's established itself, uh, fortunately, it will tend to to so-called burn itself out. And what I, at this stage, recommend, even to patients that may well have been given the antiviral treatment, I recommend the use of the Astragalus 8 formulation, which I consider to have some useful immunological support factors, which lessens uh, the length 
of time that the, that the virus would assert itself, and in my opinion stimulates a faster resolution of the blister. Now, as far as the actual neurological symptoms are concerned, they seem to lessen in direct relationship to the improvement in the patient's well-being. And this is where I think astragalus 8 is useful in rebuilding the patient's health. Because very, very frequently with shingles, it is associated with a rundown state of the patient, an elderly patient whose immune system is depressed, a person in business or whose job is exceedingly stressful and who's run down, frequently that will, that will be the picture in which shingles asserts itself. And this is where I believe the astragalus 8 formulation with its general restorative characteristics is a useful device to start to take uh, with the experience of the shingles to speed up the resolution of it and to lessen the length of time in which the neurological symptoms will assert themselves. But going back on what I said earlier, Jane, where you've got these things, and particularly where it's outside of the face or the eyes, because I would not recommend any uh, treatment using the oleoresin of capsicum, I wouldn't recommend it, where around the eyes or facial things because it can be a little bit burning and should only be undertaken or monitored by a GP or a specialist. But in the case of this gentleman where he was affected around the feet and is, is left with these lingering, I suspect, neurological symptoms, there I would suspect the preparation we mentioned earlier, say Zostrix or any preparation that contains the oleoresin of capsicum in a strong enough strength would be useful in the post-blister stage, in the neurological stage, as a topical application to lessen the pain, the discomfort, and to see the resolution of the problem take place. Well, Dennis, just in the last moments or minutes of, of the program today, would you like to talk about Shastavari? Shastavari. I, I could talk. I need to know about I, it. I, I, I can tell you something about it. It first, and, and unfortunately, time's going to beat us. But if we can carry it over a bit, look. Most, most people know that my career has been associated with the practice and defence and teaching of what's called Western herbalism. However. Western herbalism is undergoing a transition and it's becoming a much more eclectic system of herbal medicine, drawing on other traditions of herbal medicine to augment its own materia medica. And I've been doing this, and I would say to a large extent spearheading, the introduction of important herbs from other systems into Western herbal medicine. And I've drawn heavily on what's called Ayurvedic medicine that I've taught actually for many, many, many years and incorporated even into my practice. Now, Ayurvedic medicine is the medicine of India, very ancient system, fascinating system that should be read and appreciated and welded into Western medicine, let alone Western uh, herbal medicine. One of the leading remedies in Ayurvedic medicine is the herb called Shatavari. Now, Shatavari is the Sanskrit word for the herb that we call asparagus racemosa. Asparagus racemosa is the botanical name for Shatavari. Shatavari is a Sanskrit term, and like many aspects of traditional medicine, it has some fascinating terminology behind its name. Uh, Shatavari is loosely translated into uh, the, fr the phrase or the clause, she who can accommodate a hundred husbands. 
Now, <laughs> oh, that, that, it's, it's, and what that basically means is this is a herb that's used a lot uh, to address in Ayurvedic medicine a lot of reproductive disorders, particularly infertility. Now, herbal medicine does well in addressing infertility. The problem is many of the herbs that we have been using have been American-based. In my uh, a formula that I've prescribed for 40 years, which has helped many people in this town and indeed around the world, the leading fertility remedy was an American herb called Helonius or false unicorn root. It is now impossible to get it. It's an endangered species and we had to look around the world for other herbs of similar characteristics to take the place of false unicorn root. Shadavari takes the place of false unicorn root in Western formulations used to address female infertility. So the, the, the weird and strange, but typically Indian way of describing it, she who can accommodate a hundred husbands, implies the, the way in which this remedy has a very significant impact on reproductive um, benefit, vitality. And without it, it would be difficult now for me to practice fertility management without this herb. Shadavari, the leading fertility remedy for females in Ayurvedic medicine, now compensating for the loss of some of the American herbs that used to do the job. That's interesting, and we might explore that further in uh, other programs, Why Dennis. Why not? It's a fascinating topic to certainly take Certainly. <laughs> and I, I do love the stories that are behind the names of the oh, herbs. Look, this is things. the fascinating thing about Ayurvedic medicine. Like the, 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 the herb for the male is called Withanius omniferum. And as you would expect, um, it has a, a, a connotation to it. The, 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 the idea behind Withanius omniferum when applied to male infertility, is the smell of a horse. Yes. So that might sound very offensive to, to conservative Europeans and Anglos, but what it does again is indicate that here's a remedy that stimulates all the libido and reproductive characteristics uh, pertaining to, to the male. So the thing about Ayurveda is it's got this beautiful, earthy, human terminology to describe the benefits of these remedies, which let's remind ourselves, in Ayurvedic medicine, goes back to 2,000 years before Christ. A lot of people don't understand that. 2,000 years, an unbroken tradition that goes right back to the writing of the Vedas, and particularly the, the text Ayurveda, which is one of the Vedas, incorporates this fascinating thousands of years old history of medicine. Plenty of tradition there and is. plenty there is. of stories mm. that follow that mm. one through. Well, thank you for today, Dennis Stewart. It's certainly been um, illuminating, I think, and we've had oh, some good lovely. questions too. And Health Naturally, Dennis Stewart will be back with us next Friday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.